Ecclesiastes 2, verses 1 through 26. Laughing and having fun is crazy. What good does it do? I wanted to find out what was the best for us during the short time we have on this earth. To make myself happy with wine and find out what it means to be foolish without really being foolish myself. I did some great things. I built houses and planted vineyards. I had flower gardens and orchards full of fruit trees. And I had pools where I could get water for the trees. I owned slaves and their sons and daughters became my slaves. I had more sheep and goats than anyone had ever lived, who, who had ever lived in Jerusalem. Foreign rulers brought me silver, gold, and precious treasure. Men and women sang for me, and I had many wives who gave me great pleasure. I was the most famous person who had ever lived in Jerusalem and was very wise. I got whatever I wanted and did whatever made me happy. But most of all, I enjoyed my work. Then I thought about everything I had done, including the hard work. It was still simply chasing the wind. Nothing on earth is worth the trouble. I asked myself, what can the next king do I haven't done? Then I decided to compare wisdom with foolishness and stupidity. And I discovered that wisdom is better than foolishness, just as light is better than darkness. Wisdom is like having two good eyes. Foolishness leaves you in the dark. But wise or foolish, we all end up the same. Finally, I said to myself, being wise got me nowhere. The same thing will happen to me that happens to fools. Nothing makes sense. Wise or foolish, we all die and are soon forgotten. This made me hate life. Everything we do is painful. It's just as senseless as a chasing the wind. Suddenly, I realized that the others would someday get everything I had worked for so hard. Then I started hating it all. Who knows if these people will be sensible or stupid? Either way, they will own everything I have earned my, by my hard work and wisdom. It doesn't make sense. I thought about my hard work and I felt depressed. When we use our wisdom, knowledge and skill to get what we own, why do we have to leave it to someone who didn't work for it? This is senseless and wrong. What do we really gain from all our hard work? Our bodies ache during the day and work is torture. Then at night our thoughts are troubled. It just doesn't make sense. The best thing we can do is enjoy eating, drinking and working. I believe these are God's gifts for us. And no one enjoys eating and living more than I do. If we please God, he will make us wise, understanding and happy. But if we sin, God will make us struggle for the, a living. Then he will give, us, give all we own to someone who pleases him. This makes no, no more sense than chasing the wind. Are we all thoroughly depressed after hearing that? <laughs> I was reading this morning before we came to church um, a bit of the background to Ecclesiastes. And actually it's quite interesting because of the fact nobody really knows. <laughs> it's supposedly Solomon um, speaking, but... Uh, it's kind of uh, one of these areas they say they don't know quite when it was written and quite who by, but I, I would have thought it was Solomon. But um, the next point that came up is what's it all about? Because actually, uh, I was going to use chapter one originally, but I think that's more depressing than <laughs> chapter two is. In the sense that if you read it and 
kind of think, well, what does this mean then? Is this saying everything in life is pointless? I think the trouble is, I think sometimes we can take Scripture and we try to interpret too much into it. And actually, sometimes what can be the right thing to do is to take it at face value. So, to me, reading this, if you take it at face value, this is somebody to work, trying to work out what their life is all about. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been there many times. Many times I've asked the question, God, you know, what is all this about? Why am I going through these problems? Why am I having these troubles um, today? And what, you know, what is life all about? And I think, personally, this is what's going on here. He's asking all these questions. Now, Solomon was an extremely wealthy man, to say the least. He had everything he could desire. From that passage, um, Cass just read out to you. You can understand that. He's got everything, but actually he's saying, what's this all about? And I was also reading yesterday several different stories of millionaires giving all their money away. Um, one of them went to live in a mud hut and to do charitable work. He gave all his money away to charity. Others um, gave their money away steadily. Uh, if you want a modern-day one, Bill Gates is one. Uh, I didn't quite know this until the other day, but apparently his, his idea is to give all his money away before he dies. He's not going to leave it to anybody. So by the time he's, he's died, there should be nothing left of his fortune. And he's got a rather big fortune. And actually, until these last few years, you never actually heard anything about him. Um, not giving the money away. A lot of people said about his wealth and what he was doing, and a, a friend of his actually said, well, you don't know what he's doing. He's actually given a lot away. And there's quite a few people through the past years who've done this. So often we're striving after things and looking for something in life to make us happy, and we find actually it doesn't. Now, I've kind of mentioned some extremes, and even Solomon's an extreme. But I think we all do it one way or another. Um, I was only asked on Thursday whether I could speak tonight and I think Catherine asked me on Friday if I got anything and I said no but actually there was something niggling in the back of my mind and I, part of me didn't want to go in this direction because uh, of what's been going on in our life um, just lately because actually this came up with me a few weeks ago and it's when we went to visit Catherine's mother in the home that she's in and I looked around the room that she's in and there's nothing there of hers, you know, a few odd ornaments and a few little bits and pieces, and it's a small room. And that's what her life has become. We're busy at the moment sorting her house out because we have to sell it because it's got to pay for her time in the home. She has to be in a home because her memory's got so bad she's not safe to be on her own. So everything that she has gathered together for all these years is actually worthless. Now, you can say some of it's got memory for the children. Well, yes, some of it, but the memory's uh, here. I always find it difficult with possessions because actually possessions, as far as memorabilia is concerned, doesn't work for me. So I always have to be conscious of the fact just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean it doesn't work for others. Um, when my mother died, I actually didn't want anything of hers because I got her memory. And uh, some people struggle when they see somebody die, particularly if they've gone very frail and that that's their, becomes their memory. You know, my memory of my mother, because she became very frail and ill, is of what she was, the real mother that I knew. So when I was looking around this room that Catherine's mum was in, I thought, yes, 
everything. What is it? Um, she struggled um, sometimes, if you like, to uh, make decisions to sell certain of her possessions because she wanted the money and she would apologize to Catherine and her brother for selling stuff that they, she was going to give them. And Catherine said, well, no, you've got to live. You just do whatever you like. And this is the point. It's not possessions. It's not the bits and pieces. What we put our value in sometimes, we really strive to keep it going. And we really strive to make it our life because we think it's going to make us happy. And we don't realize all that striving is absolutely meaningless. It's taken us nowhere. One of the pieces in here, was it verse 11, then I thought about everything I had done, including the hard work, and it was simply chasing the wind. Nothing on earth is worth the trouble. Um, most of you know here, I actually grew up on a farm, and I worked on, the, on a farm for the first, what, 20-odd years of my life. I used to enjoy it, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I used to work all sorts of stupid hours. But actually, I came to this conclusion on the last farm I worked on, because I'd worked in this um, probably about nine-month period. I worked two days, 24 hours solid. And uh, we reached a, a period of the year where I was working from eight in the morning till about midnight, perhaps one o'clock in the morning, seven days a week. I was two minutes late for work, and I was told off. And I thought then, what am I doing? And I used to really enjoy that work at one time, but I started thinking about it. And one of the things was as well, I used to think to myself, well, at least working on a farm, you're being productive and doing something. You know, it has meaning. But we were taking thousands of tons of corn into a, what they called an intervention store. It wasn't wanted. The government was buying it up to keep the price up. There was people starving in the world, but it wasn't being sold. And I thought, what is this about? We were keeping animals alive on antibiotics, calves, because they weren't being looked after properly. They were using antibiotics to keep them alive. They, we literally had a fridge full of them to keep giving them these antibiotics. And that's uh, actually when I made a decision, this is not what I came into years ago. This is not right. And I gradually realized more and more, actually, the job was completely meaningless. I'd had enjoyed it, and it was good. But it wasn't really what I wanted. And at this time, I was a Christian when I first started uh, work, well, before me and Catherine um, were married. I used to enjoy my work, and that was my life. I said to her when we got married that I wasn't going to give it up. That was what I wanted to do. After I became a Christian, I found my priorities changed, and actually what was more important to me was what Christ wanted me to do. And I found that to be a continuing journey. So that's what's given meaning to my life. I've asked Keith to read out again what he, he read a few minutes ago, because I think that's the answer to what we're supposed to be about. Now, for anybody here who doesn't know, Keith didn't know what I was speaking about tonight. Nobody knew. Even Catherine didn't know what I was speaking about tonight. So it's not the fact this has been planned, because it hasn't. And uh, I always, everybody knows, I like God to confirm things with me, and he, he has been, and he confirmed a bit to you as well what you shared today. And I, I love God to do that, so I know I'm on the right track. 
It's uh, last uh, Thursday at Sue's funeral. Uh, I don't know how many people here, I know some of you were there, how many were actually at the funeral. Um, we were expecting probably about 250. There's got to have been that there, I think. Yeah. And I was, what's the word? I was pleased to hear comments around me when the service was going on. Certain things were mentioned about Sue's faith and people behind me were passing comments. Yes, you know, yes, that was Sue. And these bits coming across. And I thought, this is testimony. That's what I want to see. It's not possessions. What did Sue leave behind? I don't know what she left, her family. But what she left behind was something that she affected other people. Now, however long those people may remember that, but there's something in it. So she's affected people, and that goes on to somebody else and to somebody else. Sue's name may not be remembered through what she did and how she affected people, but actually the work of what she did will continue. So if she uplifted one person and that person goes and uplifts another person, it gets passed down the line. That's something to leave behind. That gives meaning to life. So with Cass' mum and what happened on Thursday, this is what was going through my mind. This kept coming to my mind, actually, was just this phrase that everything is meaningless. And really what Solomon's talking about is everything that we look at as human beings is meaningless. What gives our life true meaning is Christ and Christ in our lives. And this has kind of been even more emphasized when I've thought back over my life, the people I've worked for. I've worked for some very wealthy people. I've worked, I was sharing with Keith the other day, I worked with a millionaire who, sold, who spent a million pound over the phone, just like that. And his comment was, well, it's only a million, it's worth the risk. And you think, what? And he gave me a blank check to go and buy some stuff that we needed to get. I walked out with a millionaire's blank check. That's good, isn't it, you know? <laughs> I did think, well, have I got the nerve to do anything with it? But no, actually, he knew me well enough anyway to know that I wouldn't have done that. But actually, he was one of the most miserable men I've ever met. I just could not understand how this man could be so miserable. He used to drive up this road, because we were working on a farm that he owned. The farm was a kind of a sideline. And he had this Rolls-Royce, brand new Rolls-Royce, and he used to tootle up the road about five miles an hour, have a look around his estate, then come back, and that's all he used it for. His brother, who used to run his office, was nearly as miserable as him. I don't know what he was worth, how much money he got from it. But you, you look at him and you think, what was his life all about? He had all this money. He had this massive great big house. He had this lovely farm. But he was so miserable. I worked for another man when I started a landscaping business. It was one of the first places we got work. And uh, I, oh, I, I don't know how much he spent there. I used to employ, on average, about two people with me. And we used to be working there six months of the year for a period of probably about three, four years. Probably four years, wasn't it? 
and we were doing everything from um, putting very expensive paving and um, balustrading around the swimming pool that he only just had put in, to building high garden walls, you know, all the things you see where these walled gardens, we've built all the walls for it, massive great big um, rockeries and all sorts of stuff. You, you think of all the things you can think of that go into gardens and that. And he never used to ask how much it's going to cost. He used to say, can you do it? And we used to say, okay, we'll book you in, and then we would have a period and do so much and then come back later. You would never um, fiddle the man. He was always wise to what you'd spent afterwards, but he never asked before you spent it. And uh, he went um, to the Nissan dealer in the town, They'd brought out, I can't remember, don't ask me what it was called because I wasn't that particularly into cars, but they brought this new sports car out. Very expensive thing. It was the only one in the country. Been flown over here to, from Japan just to demonstrate to everybody. And uh, he went into the garage and saw it and wanted it. So he said, how much? And they said, oh, no, you can't buy it because we've got to take it to the next place in the next couple of days. And they told him how much it would cost when they got some in the country. And he said, no, I want that one. And he kept on and on at them, so they sold it to him. They gave him some ridiculous price. He paid for it, bought the car. And you think, but why? He'd already got three other cars. He paid a fortune to have a Mini completely customized, a brand new Mini by ERF. I thought ERF were just building lorries, but apparently they customized cars as well. He drove it about three times. He was just throwing money away. He was an accountant to all the pop stars. He knew them all. That's how he made his money. So he lived up in Shrewsbury, but he travelled down around London. And his office was down in London. Anyway, one day I had to go and see him. Um, we'd been doing some work for him, and I needed to un understand what he wanted exactly doing. So I rang him up, and he said, Oh, um, can you come over Saturday? He says, I'm here. And I said, OK. I said, but I thought you had a party going on. And he said, yes, I have. He says, but come over anyway. And I thought, oh, okay then. So I went over to see him. And there was all these very well-dressed people in his house. I didn't know who they were. And he came out and spoke with me. And I went over what we had to go over. And I said, right, I'll leave you to it. And he said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? He said, I'd rather talk to you than talk to that lot. And I said, but they're in your house. You've invited them around. Yes, he says, but he says, you've got to know the right people. He says, I don't want anything to do with them. He says, I want to stay out here talking to you. <laughs> and I thought, what a crazy life to live. But that's what he was doing. He was keeping in with the right people. He actually went bankrupt. He'd invested in the, um, what was it called, at Centerpoint. And he encouraged all his people he was doing the counts for to do it. And it didn't sell. They built this building, great big massive glass building, and they couldn't sell it, and they couldn't lease it out. So they all lost money, and he actually went bankrupt through it and had to start again. But I couldn't understand this lifestyle. All these things we built for him, we built a, 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 like a, a massive play area for his children, like you see in these parks, as a one-off. They played with it about three times, and that was it. Yeah. They had a massive tennis court put in, never used it. The swimming pool, it was the other people in the village, I suppose they got use out of it, used to come and use it. But I just couldn't understand this lifestyle. What was it about? Money was just being spent like water, and he used to work really long hours. But it, 
what has he got out of it? And he and his wife never actually got on that particularly well together. And you think about what you see in the world today and you see what goes on and how people really struggle with different things and you think, but why? You're no happier for it. As I was just saying about Sue earlier, if you think about it, it doesn't even matter what we do in this world, about how famous you are, it doesn't last. Now, I know Paul likes reading uh, these different books and that, and some of these people that wrote these fantastic sermons years ago, yeah? So they're remembered for their sermons, but can you tell me what the person was really like? Yeah, but you... you you know, it's not quite the same, is it? The, the character and the person themselves, that actually doesn't really last. You might see some of their work, and I'm afraid that's going to be the same with us. I'm afraid, I'm, I'm going to be very morbid here, but when we die, our children might remember us, and our, perhaps our grandchildren, but then the next generation? So what's life all about? I told you it was depressing, didn't I? <laughs> I'm not actually depressed because actually I can understand this. It took me years to do it and even more so lately it's kind of come to the forefront because of circumstances and I'm thinking, yeah, what is all this about? I remember years ago watching a program doing, to do with the aristocrats of this country and the norm is that one generation makes an absolute fortune, the next one squanders it, then they have to start again. That's how it used to go on for years and years and years. So this one group of people were working hard and doing everything right and making this fortune, left it to their children, and their children just squandered the lot. Then the next generation had to work really hard again to, to, to keep going, or perhaps they even lost all of it. And you think, so it wasn't worth it. And in some cases what it did is it actually ruined their children, because their children had it so easy that actually they didn't value anything. So you think, right... Our children used to grumble about all sorts of things they didn't have as children, but actually, in later life, they've appreciated life itself more. What did, you know, <laughs> what does this all come up to? You know, what, what, you know Catherine read a piece, uh, out, well, uh, oh, here it is, here, verse 22. What do we really gain from all our hard work? I thought Catherine was going to laugh when she read this, but she didn't. Our bodies ache during the day. <laughs> you were thinking it, were you? <laughs> during the day. And work is torture. <laughs> then at night our thoughts are troubled. It just doesn't make sense. So what am I saying? Don't work, don't do it. No, I'm not saying that at all. I mean, we've got to work. We're supposed to work. We're supposed to earn our income. We're supposed to pay our way. But don't work for possessions, don't work for stuff that's going to be completely meaningless, don't even work for the next generation because actually you could be doing them a disservice rather than a service. And there's plenty of people who can testify to that. And I think of all the aches and pains I've got now and kind of I knew that I was going to have some of them because I did all sorts of things that everybody told me at the time you will suffer for that in later years and you still go and do it. <laughs> but it, it's so true. So what's it all about? What, what, what are we up to? 
I put on here, keep it simple. And, and uh, what does it say? The, the, the best thing we can do is to enjoy eating, drinking, and working. I believe these are God's gift to us. Now, Paul, that doesn't mean you keep eating and eating and eating. <laughs> I thought I'd better put that in there for Bex's sake. <laughs> What more do we actually need? So, I've already said that I used to get a lot from my work, and I did, I really enjoyed it. So, what do I get now? What I get now are lovely emails from my daughter. I had one on Good Friday, I've shown it to a few people. And basically, she, I can't remember how she worded it now, it was, um, yeah, if you find it, Kath, because you've got it on yours as well, she sent it to both of us. Now, this wasn't uh, any particular reason or anything. It actually was quite unusual because our daughter's usually in bed before half past 11 at night when she sent it. Um, she's got three young boys, which um, you can imagine are a bit tiring. And uh, so she goes to bed you know, fairly early because they tend to get up early. And <laughs> so when we received this text, I thought, that was really nice. And just odd comments from them that they make so that they let us know that we've affected their lives for the good and they understand where we're coming from. Have you found it? Thanks for introducing me to my son. Yeah. Now that's so simple, isn't it? But that means such a lot to me and I know it does to Catherine. And I said to Catherine, I never thought that we had that much to do with the beginning years of her Christianity, if you like, because she was going to the, the group in the church. But I suppose we took her to the church. She saw our example. And um, we used to have some quite interesting conversations sometimes. If she had a question, you know, if Keith was preaching something, because she wasn't certain what he, whether he was right or not, she used to, you know, she would come. I'm, it wasn't Keith personally, I'm talking about how she would be if it was Keith. She would come and say to us, he said such and such. Do you think that's right? And I used to say, well, what do you think? And I used to make her think about it. And do you know something? 99 times out of 100, she was right. If she picked up somebody on what they'd said and she thought it wasn't right, she, she was right. I, well, all right, we both could have been wrong, but I agreed with her. <laughs> so, you know, you know Terry, don't you? Yeah, she questioned him a few times, <laughs> and Martin. She come back and she said, they said such and such. She said, I'm not certain about this. And he said, well, no, I'm not either, actually, you know. So that's important to me. So, all right, where's that go from here? Then? Well, what's important to me now is here. And when you ask, anywhere else God leads us to. Um, I've had some lovely birthday wishes this month. I would like to think that at my funeral, there may not be whatever was at Sue's funeral, but I hope there'd be a few people there who would feel that they wanted to come along and say goodbye to us, that we've affected people's lives. One of the greatest things for me is seeing somebody else get up in the front who perhaps I've been working with or we've had some input into their lives and they're suddenly moving on. To see people move on in their faith is great. To see people change is brilliant. We all look quite often in a church to seeing people saved. Well, God's never used me for that, but he has used me to help people move on. And I can tell you that's just as good. 
because perhaps they're going to go along and preach the gospel to somebody else and somebody else will be saved. Sorry? Well, yes, he has, and his wife has, yeah, yeah. And that's what gives life meaning. Um, me and Catherine are, have got to make, or actually we've made it, it's become timely, but we had to make some serious decisions on what we do over the next um, four years, basically. And uh, what that we could, if you like, we've got just about enough money that we can live off of until our retirement. Um, so we could go off and do what we want to, or we can go and do what God wants us to do. And uh, we're going to go and do what God wants us to do. And it's been quite an interesting journey, particularly for me at the moment, because there's certain things I felt God was saying no to, and actually he turned around and said, no, you're closing doors when you shouldn't be closing doors. And it was kind of a, a thing of God saying, are you willing to do this? But don't necessarily think that you can't do that. I'm getting older and I thought I was too old to do certain things. And God says, no, I haven't said that. And I think, okay. So I'm waiting to see what God wants us to do. I know what we're doing at the moment. Um, I feel 100% that we're supposed to be here, but however long that lasts for, that's up to God. I'm 100% certain of the journey that we're going on with Christ and what's at the end of it. And what's at the end of it? It's heaven. Eternity with Christ. Now hang on a minute, doesn't that make everything meaningful? Keith mentioned this morning about worrying. And the things I worry about are the worldly things that I can't change because there's so many lies and stuff that goes on. And there are things that get on top of you. And I keep thinking, somehow I've got to get rid of this because it's rubbish. <laughs> there's some stuff that's happened recently. I mean, I said to Kat, I said, I'm not interested. I said, whatever we do, I said, I don't want any more hassle. I can handle God's kingdom and I can handle his work, but leave the world out there. I know we've got to be in it and we've got to, we've got to have enough money, we've got to be able to live, that sort of thing. But so much of our hassle, which causes us so much worry, is about things and about work. And I keep thinking, this is rubbish. So what do I want? I want a simple life to be able to live and I want to be able to serve God. And I want to see other people move on. I want to see this church grow. I want to see God's kingdom grow, wherever that may be. And I want to see people come to the same thing. If you're struggling with life at the moment, I want to encourage you to look to God and see what God is telling you to do about it. So many times we try and ask other people and we try and even teach other people what to do but actually what we need to be doing is tell people get closer to God because actually he knows better than any of us and that's what we need to do and that gives a meaningful statement to our lives Keith can you read what you read before again please praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, 
and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, will be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith the salvation of your souls you hear that again and you can see when Keith read that my ears just pricked up because that's the answer to this that's meaningful that's what we're about that's what gives us a meaningful life the rest of it is just living so that we can do that. Can we just pray? Father God, I want to thank you for your word, and I want to thank you for your spirit, Lord, that gives us understanding of your word, and also, Lord, the way that you confirm things for us, Lord. You show us your direction in all so many different ways. And I do thank you, Lord, for this life that we have on this earth and the great things that you've given us and the, the means to live, Lord, and the beauty of this world. And Lord, help us to focus truly on you. Your word tells us, Lord, we want to know that you exist to look at the world. So Lord, you created this world. It's beautiful, Lord. And it's got everything that we need. But Lord, help us to realize that our real hope and our real meaning in this life is Christ. Lord, that's where everything comes from, Lord. You've given us this salvation, Lord. And our end goal is eternity with you. And Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.